0: Hey, how's it going? Hello, what's up? Nothing much, nothing much. Thanks for coming on, man. It means a lot.
1: Thank you for having me. This is really cool. I uh, I'm never really asked to uh, talk about things, <laughs> even though I like it to talk way too much. So that's my own thing. <laughs> uh,
0: same, same. Have you ever done a podcast before?
1: I did a uh, 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 "Bad as a Mother" uh, podcast with a few friends of mine. They have a, a great podcast and. But that's really the only uh, one I've done before other than my own that never really got anywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks for shouting them out. But dang it, I wanted to take your podcast oh. with Jimmy.
1: Oh, no, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, no, they they did, and they, it, was, it, was a, it was a good one. I talked about uh, all sorts of deep stuff as you do and then going from that to funny things and everything. So if anyone mm-hmm. actually cares to hear about my stuff, I'd recommend it. It's a good episode, but, yeah. You know.
0: Nice, nice. All right, well, let's get going. Hello, beautiful people. I'm Jonathan Doku. Welcome to the Doku podcast, aka Let's Talk About It. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. He's a photographer. And the thing I like about him is because he's very unique. You know, he's not your average, you know, look good and lingerie photographer. He has his own... <laughs> Creepy style, but it's, you know, it's dark with a little bit of light in there. Picture if, uh, if, uh, Harley Quinn wanted to do Playboy, she would definitely hire this guy.
1: <laughs> I've, I've, no one's ever said that in that way. That's great. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's,
0: I'm, it's, it's literally the perfect way to describe your yeah. content, literally.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I've always, you know, it's, it's nice to hear that what I try to go for is, uh, is it go, gets across at least uh because for me what i like to say i have a, a mission statement for my photography um and it's just i like to turn you on and make you feel weird about it you know yeah and so it's pretty
0: <laughs> yeah and it's funny cuz art is supposed but to, um art is supposed to provoke, provoke emotion anyways you know i say this all the time but i feel like when you're doing art you, you the person looking at it is supposed to like come out the other side the same you know as supposed to provoke emotion so that's interesting that you want the people creating the art to feel that too
1: oh yeah i mean i've i mean yeah oh of course because you know art is always up to the the person watching it and, and viewing it or whatever or con- consuming it if you will but like for me i'm i'm also making it, and it's fun for me to make and if i'm working specifically models if we want to say it this way like anyone who i'm working with I try to, I try to get them to kind of chill and hang out, especially if it's at my studio. You know, I'll have them come over. You know, we'll just hang out and talk, listen to music, and you know, we'll probably watch like half of a movie and bullshit for a while, and then eventually we'll start taking photos. And that's just mostly because, like, I never liked the, you know, I did this for a while. You know, meeting up with a, a model and being like, hello, I am Newt, and you are so-and-so, and we are going to take photos, and now that we have done that, we are friends now, and yeah. we have to say hi in public and online and everything, even though we really only did this once, and I never really liked, I like I called it transactional photography, you know, yeah. um, and I don't like that. I, I like to be able to, like, kind of have fun while I'm making this art, so usually I I, I tell people who Yeah, I tell people who work with me, I'm like, just give me an emotion, like, like, I don't care if you're angry in the photo or happy or mad or, you know, throwing up or whatever, like, just be weird, be something, be something, give me an emotion that the person who's going to be looking at it will, you know, have something hopefully visceral with it, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's funny you, and I love you (laughs) for that, and it's funny that you do that because all the greats like Hugh Hefner, uh, like all the great old school (laughs) photographers, that's what they did. Like back in the, I want to say 50s and 40s, it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to meet up and take a picture now. No, you literally spent the day with them bullshitting before any camera came out you know and and that's what i like to do too when i'm uh because i notice when people i write music sometimes and when people want to collaborate they're like oh yeah just send me your shit and i'm like no let's actually like yeah i been like come up with something Because anytime i've ever know? had
1: to be i mean i could you can hire me and i could do whatever you want i mean i've i have the one thing I can be proud of is that the 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 amount of time I've done photography, I've done almost every type except for like wildlife photography, which doesn't interest me, you know, but like I've done pretty much every yeah. type. And, and if you want to hire me for, uh, uh, you know, you want me to take some pictures of you in your high school or your wedding or you want to be a model or you want me to take pictures at your event, you want me to do, you know, studio stuff like whatever it is, I can do it. And that's just to sell myself. But if we're trying to really do something that's like going to be fun, let's like really have some, some you know, feeling behind it or something. I don't know. It it sounds so uh, like cliche, but yeah, like I want to hang out. Like I say, like I don't do photo shoots. Let's just hang out and eventually we'll take photos. Yeah, exactly that. You know, it's like whatever if you if we're feeling good in the moment, whatever is captured here is going to be good in my mind, you know.
0: Yes. Now let me ask you this. What inspires uh, you?
1: Uh I have a few tattoos of people's faces on me and they, they're uh they're what I like to call um uh my personal pantheon. It's like my own own personal gods, you know, that I've built of like people that have influenced me where like almost everything I make there's like a little bit of them in it, you know. And uh, the first person is Stanley Kubrick, you know. I love that yeah, his his shit's oh, just yeah. it's of course, the the thing I like about him the most is that he he was before he thought before anyone else really. I mean, he was a he was a chess player before anything really. He he was seventeen moves before anyone in everything he did, you know. And so every movie yeah. he ever came out with was like you know critically a flop until you know twenty years later people were like, oh, we know what you were talking about, not and the, the world is caught up, you know and. <laughs> that's really i think the the yeah. amazing thing about him is that his stuff is so so long holding if that's the right phrase like even my favorite movie from him is probably yeah. doctor strange love and it's like one of his first movies it's super early i was just about
0: to, i was just about to ask that mine what yeah to the see that's his last set. one
1: you know what i mean it's exactly what i mean what we just said proves my point perfectly of like for his one of his earliest and his <laughs> last one were all completely as impactful as as each of the other ones were you know and uh the other the other people I have tattooed on me I have John Waters and Divine I have their faces like put together on my you know on my uh arm and that's just cuz John Waters is you know he made pink flamingos and and you know multiple maniacs and, yeah. and these weird movies in the 60s and then went on to make kind of family friendly stuff in the you know late, late 90s and stuff like that uh and so, you know, it was he's just a, he's he's the godfather of filth, you know, and he kind of can't exist without, you know, the godmother of filth, which is divine. Yeah. So I have them both tattooed on me and those those three people pretty much put together are all like, you know, everything I try to do is like either, you know, as artful as uh, uh Stanley Kubrick with the filth of John Waters, you know. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: Yeah, and it's funny because I don't know if you notice this about your face, but your face has like perfect symmetry. Oh Jesus! And I've I've never really appreciate
1: that. I would I I would beg to differ because I would like to use one of those TikTok filters that like mirrors your face to see if I have like a droopy side because.
0: No, because no, I'm looking at the uh, picture. The picture I'm looking at now is when you had blue and pink hair and you're, like, not a lot of people to shoot. So I did oh, a self-portrait. Yeah, yeah. And, like, look, both sides look exactly <laughs> the same.
1: I will say this. My nostril holes are different. I've noticed that about myself. I've looked at, like, I've looked at myself in the mirror maybe a little too long. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, I, I
0: that you know, i doubt it yeah would.
1: see that th- those yeah. are a little different but i'll, I'll take the compliment anyway
0: <laughs> yeah and now let me ask you this and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to who is your favorite model to shoot or favorite model that you have? oh that's
1: with? uh uh she just recently changed her, uh their name because um there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening with the the awareness culture, I guess you can call it nowadays, where um, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to be less uh less uh culturally appropriate, you know. So they used to have Shibari yeah. in their name, which is a very is a Japanese rope when uh, since we're in America, I think they felt you know comfortable changing it. They made a post about it publicly, so I'm not really saying hopefully anything out of out of turn. But uh, they changed their name to Ryan, uh, yeah. and I, f- I cannot remember their name. But there, there. If you go to my uh, work, anyone that's bald, it's her. You know, um, uh, the one in the red shoot where she's screaming. You know, that's that's her uh, you know, any, anything with, with her, she's, she, for the longest time, I always said she was my muse and she still is. I mean, I, there are that specifically that red shoe where she's screaming. I, I, I had that, that exact photo flash in my mind when I was like trying to sleep and I, I like immediately texted her, Hey, I've got this idea for you. And she was down for it. And that's the thing that I love about working with her the most is that she's She's, she's never been late, you know, which is always great. Everyone, I, I heard someone say this on another podcast a while ago, it was so beautifully put of like, do you wonder why like amazing directors like, uh, uh uh you know, um Martin Scorsese work with the same actors over and over? It's not because those actors are amazing actors, they are, but it's because you have to be on set for the, with these people for six months to a year or two years and you have to be, be able yeah. to work well with these people. And and Ryan is one of those people I can always depend on her to be there and show up and 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 be willing to like try something and be weird and be that that weirdness that I want to try to do, but also still sexy in kind of a you know also weird way. And uh, I mean, I love everyone I've worked with. I'll say that it's like they're like my children, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. I've, I've publicly said she's my muse, so I don't have a problem saying she still is, you know. <laughs> yeah
0: well i know my two. uh i love 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 kinzie oh yeah I yeah, she's I'm, great, saying yeah. Her she, name.
1: she uh she makes a, a wonderful stuff she works hard on a lot of her stuff too so
0: yeah yeah l- l- like just from her body to her hair to her facial expressions i like her because when you first see her she, she comes off as this uh you know she's like a normal everyday you know, Bella Hadid, Kylie Jenner <laughs> model and then she just and then she just transforms and gives you fifty different people. Oh, yeah. She can exactly. and and that's what I think a good model should be. You know, she could give you Kylie Jenner or she could yeah. give you Harley Quinn or she could give you an angel or a psychopath, depending on the shoot. I love that. And I also love Taylor Wren, So I think it's oh, kind of yeah. biased because yeah, I Taylor know her Wren, though. Yeah. But Taylor, yeah, we've we, her
1: and I have been like we've we've been personal friends before she even started modeling. I mean, for years now. I remember, uh, I I'll say this because I I like taking credit even though I don't ne- like need to. But I I shot with her for the first time. <laughs> I remember like she was all dolled up, like she she the way she looks in her photos is how she did her makeup and how she does her like looks like every day. Like that's just her. So like. I I tell people like she's uh she doesn't know this but I tell people that uh she's a a bio queen like the queens like the people who put on a, a a amount of drag but in a way that's like you're still a woman and you're still dressing as a woman you know what I mean but you're putting on so much that yeah. it's like You're like, not to say she's not beautiful. She is. I've seen her without makeup, but she's still gorgeous. But, I mean, even with it, she, like, she transforms her her face into amazing stuff. And I was like, we have to shoot. We have got to shoot. And she was like, okay, I've been thinking about it. And then, finally, we were at, like, an event somewhere. And I was like, let's go sneak off to some drainage ditches down the street. And there were some. And we started shooting. And then, after that, she immediately Shot with uh, uh, Twisted Fallacies, which is another friend of mine, uh, Josh. Amazing photographer, you know. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a great photographer. Um, I love that
0: guy. Is, is he? Is he back in? Uh, no, he's Dallas. still in,
1: in Colorado. Because I know yeah, he moved to yeah. Colorado.
0: Last time I heard, he was trying. I to I hope
1: back, he does. So we all. I think a lot of me and my friends miss him. So, but I know he he I, oh, being over in Colorado with the with the weed situation over there, I'm sure it'd be pretty hard to come back. <laughs> Yeah, But um, yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: And, and yeah, and for, like, I I know like Taylor Renz and I just know personally oh, yeah. she's a good it's person, like... you know, just from just from meeting her. Like, for example, you know uh, how you have a group of friends and you have that one friend that you're not really friends with is more of a friend of me than you tolerate them because you're with your other friends. Well, like we were at a bar and, you know, we brought two cars. It was her boyfriend had came and then it was her and we rode in her car and other people joined us. So it got full and they were, like, she was literally going to leave me out. She was like, you didn't ride with my boyfriend, which I didn't mind because I hadn't met the guy yet, but you know, she was being kind of snooty. And Taylor didn't even know me. She wasn't even my friend then. She was a friend of another friend. And and she was like, really? You're going to do Doku like that? And I was like, oh, uh, honey.
1: Yeah, she, she's, yeah, she is, like, so sweet to the point where, like, I I I've, we've I've talked to her, like, you're like, you're so nice to everyone she's like yeah but then the, there's other times where she like yeah she'll she'll definitely be like back off buddy you know what I mean like that's that's the type of a lot of my friends are like that like i told this we were talking about the people that you know i've shot with kenzies another one we're talking about she's very nice very sweet super you know very sweet but like like you know don't fuck with him you know I, like everyone i have in my around me are all very strong people like myself like We all like type of you know protect each other and have have protect uh, the ones we like. So like, I'm sure she was like, "Yeah, you need a ride." Like, what the hell? Come on, let's uh, let's get this guy a ride. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't know if that made any sense. I went on a total weird tangent there, but all I'm saying is my I try to make good friends with people. You know, they all they're all sweet.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, trust me, it did. Ninety percent of my listeners are theater kids. Okay, okay, got you. Yeah, yeah. At, At what point in your life were you? did you pick up your first camera and you were like okay this is what i want to do where were you when you uh, did this
1: how much time do you have <laughs> uh, well, hey all the time you more. okay so uh long well this is long story long i guess uh I was in second grade and I made, like, a kid laugh by, like, imitating Jim Carrey from Pet Detective or whatever, which is, like, just, like, the (laughs) first – like, we're talking about personal pantheon of people. That guy, like, beginning of my, like, career as a a comedian, which I'll say started when I was a child because you're, like – I literally – I made a kid laugh and it was, like, a hit of heroin. I was, like, oh, I want to do that forever, you know, and I -hmm. wanted to be an actor after that since I was – I mean – from from second grade on till i was you know probably 20 and i realized oh i it's probably kind of hard to do that here in dallas but whatever i'll make some other stuff go on and then you know but that's getting ahead of myself so i started making youtube videos with my friends i mean like i remember we we had like this little toy camera that we would make videos that like before even youtube existed so i mean i've had a camera in my hand probably since i was 10 you know like some some form some form of camera at least, and then I got my I bought my first real like uh, uh, video camera to start making sketches on YouTube in 2009 I think. Uh, and that was just a Sony Handycam thing, you know. And I did that for a while, and I bought my first DSLR to bump up the the video quality to be able to do the. The, the the beautiful bokeh, you know, the, you know, pretty background, uh, you know, fuzzy, whatever I'm trying to say, like, you make the the pretty portraits is all I'm trying to say. Um, and uh, I don't remember when that was, but I think I got that around 2012 or something like that. And after that, I had that camera for five, six years. And now I have my new brand new fancy camera. So it's just a bunch of <laughs> bunch of like uh, what I what I did. I will say this. I have a lot of equipment and a lot of, especially a lot of film cameras, but at a certain point in my, in my like equipment, like journey, I want, if anyone's listening that wants to be a photographer or anything like that, or any really art at all that, that requires an equipment, you know, never buy the thing thinking it's going to make you better because I did that so much. I mean, I bought, like a $400 GoPro. Cause I was like, it does slow-mo and I could do those cool videos that I see online. And then I bought it and I got it. Home. <laughs> and I was like, Oh well, yeah. I don't snowboard. I don't, I don't do giant jumps on a fucking motorbike. Like I don't have any fucking use for this camera. And then like, I wanted to be an, like a drawing, like a illustrator at one point. So I bought this like super expensive Wacom tablet. And I took like, literally the first drawing I made, I was like, Oh shit. I still suck you know like this thing didn't make me good so all i'm saying is finally when i got my most recent camera i mean i had my my last at last and first dslr for 6 years you know it had dropped half of its value by the time i like upgraded and i did that on purpose is because i wanted to upgrade like which you want to look at it in that way upgrade my skills before the camera. I mean, and financially, it was hard to get a bigger and nicer, you know, fancy camera. But mostly it was like, I want to be dying to make the quant- the content I want, you know, before I get the camera, as opposed to like, getting a camera and going, okay, now what do I do? You know, like, I knew exactly what my old camera couldn't do for me anymore. I knew that I as a photographer... Uh, you know, pushed beyond the the equipment I had and I needed a better camera. So, you know, if you need any advice on buying equipment, wait until you actually need it instead of when you just want it, you know?
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that because that's like the best advice ever. That's wisdom right there because so many people don't, like so many people do that. They expect the equipment To make them better, like for an example, uh, when I was driving for Amazon, I was driving a U-Haul, and there was this, you know, rich kid with his girlfriend in a uh, convertible. I smoked them, (laughs) you know. It's not the equipment; it's how skilled you are adds to it. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up,
1: and I'm I'm glad you said that story because it really, like that type of mindset does transcend to other things that's like and i know what i'm about to say for some people might be like yeah duh idiot but for me it took me a lot a long time to realize it but there are certain skills you can learn in in certain areas that you can use in other areas like for example uh, i i was learning to make fucking concrete when i was doing manual labor when i was like 20 you know and You know, the first thing you learn in making concrete is you don't put too much water in there because you can't take the water out once you put it in. You know, you just kind of mix it slowly and once it starts feeling right, then you can stop instead of just kind of getting overzealous. And then, you know, six years later, I'm doing some sort of photography thing and I'm developing film in the dark room. And like I want to make a decision in how I'm developing it. And I go, oh, well, maybe I need to go slowly here. Instead of going full, you know, full force, I can't take it back. I mean, this is a long story short or long story to say that like that small little thing I learned in construction, I like later on was like, oh, I can use that here. Like this really is like a cheat sheet, like for skills and like kind of let other things in your life, you know, help you with other things as well that you wouldn't think it would, you know.
0: Yeah, so you said you wanted to be an actor, right? Yeah, I
1: did. I, I did at one point. Yeah. If you if
0: you could be an actor today and get, pick any director you want, living or dead, which one would it be?
1: Living or dead? Holy shit! Okay, well, uh, I know
0: my pick. I got two
1: for you or for me. <laughs> Is this a are, for, for me? You. Okay, well, I'll hear yours and let me yeah. see. We let's see.
0: I would love, just judging by your style, I would love uh, Del Toro. I would love you to work with Del Toro. I think your style and his... You you know who Del Toro is, right?
1: Is, are we talking about Benicio Del Toro, the actor?
0: He, no, the director. He did uh, Shape of Water. Oh,
1: and, oh, Guillermo Del Toro. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, That's who yeah I Guillermo Del yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, he did Shape of Water and Paz Labyrinth, yeah. I think. You know, just judging by his style, I think you could add a little light to it. You know, I think that would mesh together. Also, Tim Burton. I would love to see you and Tim Burton do something. I
1: I find those both very flattering. I love uh, Tim Burton. I liked him a lot more when I was a kid. I I kind of fell off when I got older. But Guillermo del Toro's mind is a fucking crazy, like – just whirlwind of amazing imagine, uh, amazing imagination that i would love to be a part of so yeah i would totally agree with that one um, my choice is i don't know i mean obviously i'd say stanley kubrick because he's on my i've tattooed him on me and that's kind of like that's just <laughs> the, like i'd li- like i literally would want to just be yelled at by him i mean i want the, the stanley kubrick treatment you know and uh oh, but yeah. but honestly like uh, my, two of my favorite directors right now alive that still in, in comparison to everyone who's been alive, you know, who have made movies, these guys are still on there, Uh, which is uh, Edgar Wright and um, um David Fincher. So like both of those, like D- Edgar Wright did Scott Pilgrim versus the world and all the, all, you know, he did uh, uh Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and At World's End and all that kind of stuff, the Cornetto trilogy and then f- Fincher did Seven and Fight Club and you know uh, a Gone Girl the American or no excuse me uh the, we did do Gone Girl but then he did the American version of the Dragon Tattoo like these two guys in my opinion are doing like in, in some of the best cinematography and and cinema art uh, right now I mean David Fincher is the only f- d- director that like really conveys the emotion of the characters and actors that he's trying to portray through the camera so you're almost like subtly subconsciously uh being provoked to feel the way you are without even the actors needing to do anything so as if i wanted to be an actor i'd be like shit this guy's gonna make my job halfway easier you know and then on the other side edgar wright who he does you know this is my my comedy brain you know coming from Jim Carrey I'd love to be in something funny Edgar Wright does visual comedy and that seems like it would be simple to you know do but no one does it all comedy now a lot of comedy movies are like Will Ferrell movies where they like they take two cameras they block you off and you're just kind of Cut, cut, reverse cut, back and forth, yeah. and you're just going, you know, you're improv for 45 minutes and then they cut in the best parts, which is fun. I love improv. Improv is always going to be a part of my love as well in comedy. But if you're making a movie, you're making a cinema thing, you're making an experience, there's sound, there's visuals, there's cutting, There's there's, you know, the way you can rotate the camera, the way you can do this, you can do that. Like, there's so many things you can do that so many people don't use that Edgar Wright does. I mean, uh, all this kind of stuff I've learned, by the way, from an old YouTube channel called Every Frame a Painting. Uh, The guy doesn't upload any of his shit anymore, which was really sad. But he did phenomenally smart, uh, in-depth, like, uh, um, video essays on individual directors and writers and movies and stuff like that. So that's where like I learned a lot of this stuff and it's, it's, it's true. I mean, those, both of those guys make like very interesting things, uh, that have more detail than, than, you know, you would even realize on the first viewing, which as an artist myself, I would love to be a part of.
0: Exactly. <clears throat> Who's your top three comedians?
1: Oh shit. Okay. See now here's the thing. <laughs> as much as I say, I wanted to be an actor and, and I am a photographer and all that kind of shit. Like, comedy like i've come to understand is really like the thing that i love i mean that's my religion basically stand up comedy and i've i've done it i 2020 was the year that i was going to start doing stand up and i did it four times i like literally the first day i did stand up was january uh, 8th it was the second week of the first you know month of October or of of this year excuse me and I was going to do it every week and I was, I started doing it every week. I think I skipped maybe a week or two cause like I got busy and kind of that late night, you know, feeling of like, ah, man, I'm going to have to drive all the way to Denton for six minutes, you know, <laughs> but I was doing it. And then of course the COVID shit hit. And, but at least I started, I, I hate when people are like, man, my life was great before this COVID stuff. I was gonna do all this stuff and man now it's not happening. I'm like, no, you were planning for six months to do that thing before COVID hit and you're just using COVID as a as an excuse to be like, Oh man, now I can't do that thing I wanted. Oh geez. But anyway, <laughs> uh so yeah, stand up is a big part of my my life and my favorite comics alive, I'll say that'll kind of help me like narrow it down. Tom Segura is probably my favorite. I watch his podcast, uh, him and his wife's podcast, Christina P. Uh, on yeah, you know, I watch his stuff every week. Uh, there's a girl named uh, uh, Jessica Kirsten, I think Kirsten. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I've, I've, of course I can't remember her name perfectly right now, but uh, she's actually like stepsister to uh, Zach Braff, the guy from Scrubs. Um, She's a, like, she's been doing comedy for, like, 20 or 30 years now, but she has, like, only one special that Bill Burr gave to her, like, literally under, uh, the comics who have never had a special, surprisingly, like, specials, that was, like, the name of the specials, basically, and so, like, she got one, but she is, like, so, somehow still underground and not gigantic and phenomenally funny, I mean, just phenomenally funny, um, so uh, I'd recommend her. And then other than that, other comedians alive, uh, shit. I mean Patton Oswald, I'd say probably, you know, he's just – you hearing him tell a story is – I'm just like, all right, I'm in for as long as you want to talk, you know. Uh, yeah. And then dead people, I mean obviously Richard Pryor because he created oh, – yeah. in my opinion, he created – what is now still the most popular form of imp- or, uh, comedy, which is like I'm gonna tell you a story from my life. I mean, that's exactly. that's what Pat Oswalt does, like, you know.
0: Yeah, and and it's so insane that you don't even think it re- it really happened. Yeah, like the story, like the story where his uh, I don't know if you heard the story where his wife was trying to leave and he was like, "You're not going nowhere." I bought that fucking truck. And oh, and he, he shoots the, the car. Yeah, and (laughs) uh, somebody interviewed his wife and she was like, somebody, like a lot of people walk up to me and say, is that story actually true? And she says every fucking thing he says on that stage actually happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's got amazing stories from, from, you know, some of his dad's friends nodding out on heroin, where on stage he nods out pretending, you know, for like a straight minute. And then comes back and finishes the story he was telling before he was nodding out, you know? And then there's, yeah. there's other stories of him, like, yeah, having the heart attack and then, you know, learning to box and, and feeling – like, there's so many things before him that it was very like, you know, take my wife, please. Here's this – set up punchline. Set up punchline. Here's the joke. Here's the punchline. All right, we're done. Have a good night. Tip your waitresses. And he was like, no, I'm going to fucking – like, here's a, here's a thing that we're going to go through that I went through that you need to fucking hear. So, I mean, he's great. Obviously George Carlin, cause you know, he, he's some of his, what he has said was, was philosophical. I mean, like that's what I think now that like, we're not in, in, in ancient Rome where they have, you know, fancy men with beards writing on, you know, in, in quill and in ink and shit. But I think nowadays the modern philosoph uh, philosophy, excuse me, philosopher is the comedian like I don't think there's really anybody else in in the world that thinks about life from kind of an outside viewpoint like comics do and you know what what other you know type of you know Z- zen buddha zoom out thinking is there than that you know so I don't know I'm also super yeah. biased because comedy is my religion like I said
0: <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And it's funny because uh, some of my favorites, I love... Uh, have you ever seen Key and Peele? Of course, yeah. It, it, it's to me, like, when I watch that show, it's scary how they can play different characters that good. They look better women than they do men.
1: Oh, I mean, that's the thing, yeah. And there's... Like, <laughs> and what's so... And I can be... I can... Here comes the comedy nerd in me, where I can draw the the... The inspiration from their show back to other shows, like first the the entire format of Key and Peele was originally, in my opinion, done on the Dave Chappelle show, you know, in the exactly. early two thousands. And then before that, you know, if you're talking about doing women characters, I mean, who who other in in comedy, you know, did women comedically before, uh, you know, Monty Python? You know, they're comedically doing like, oh, we're having a good time, aren't we? You know, like really high pitched, (laughs) really gross women voices, you know? So it's like, and then, but the thing is, is you're right with Key and Peels because they not only did they like, yes, they had inspirations from other shows, but no other, in my opinion, sketch show has. Two very talented actors, like very talented actors being able to really, Yeah, exactly (laughs) what you meant. And then they had a production. Like you can tell either they had a really good production director or whatever, like whoever financed and like uh, planned their productions did a really good job with a small budget. Or Comedy Central was just like legitimately here's like a million dollar per episode because some of those sketches had like high production value. So, and, and of course, one of the best, there's there's two amazing uh, advices I've always heard from comedy. And one of them is, uh, you know, um, play comedy like tragedy and tragedy like comedy. If you are yeah. 100% serious in that comedy moment, it's probably going to be funny as shit. Like, there's one of my favorite sketches from Key and Peele um, uh, Jordan comes in and sits down and he's playing this like super quiet character in the suit. And he's like slowly opening up a briefcase the entire time. And he's just like making his lunch. And, uh, Keegan is like playing this bad guy with his, you know, uh, his, uh, handcuffs on and he's like freaking out the whole time. What do you want, man? What do you want, man? And his paranoia is the only thing that's driving him to freak out in this moment because the bad guy's yeah. literally just making his lunch. And at the end of the sketch, he takes the like sippy straw from the, the juice box and stabs it into his neck out of a way of just like, I can't take this anymore. Like that scene is funny because he's legitimately scared. Like he's actually freaking the fuck out. But if the sketch was like played in a way that was like, oh no, What's gonna happen? It would, it would, we would, you would see that you're trying too hard, um, and so, uh, you know,
0: yeah, and I honestly think I've heard this a lot, and I think it's true. Like, say for instance, I was in a uh, show called A Debt to Left, uh, A Debt That Led to Home, and I was playing a homeless guy and you know i was reading the script and i was like wow he's homeless his life might, must suck so i played it like i was a angry type of serious character and you know i played it really dark and i said well i'm used to doing like comedy and shakespeare so most comedians when they get dark they get like super super dark
1: yeah you know but yeah. but
0: but but the director had to yell at me a lot cuz even though I was playing a dark character. There would still be some comedy elements, like you know that whole comedy thing where you talk and walk away at the same time. My director would be like, "That's good, but it's too funny. You need to do it more seriously." You know?
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, like uh, one of my it, it reminds me of a, a perfect example: uh, Gene Wilder in um, the Charlie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie when he walks out limping. And he like gets the cane stuck in the ground and then falls down and does a somersault, stands up and like, ta-da, just just kidding. Like the director had – he was like, why do you want to do that? And he had no understanding why. Um, and so he had to explain because from that moment on – the audience won't trust him anymore. He, they won't know when to trust him. And that is coming from a moment of seriousness. He came out all sad and bent down and weird, and everyone's all like, oh, shit, what's wrong with him? He didn't come out like, I'm Willy Wonka, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah, which is another awesome movie. Another awesome movie. I don't know if you see seen Joker yet.
1: I with have Walking seen, yes.
0: That movie there. Oh, my goodness amazing
1: that that so, movie i have a lot of opinions but i'd like to hear yours first
0: <laughs> i think it was really really good it it made sense have joker in like a more realistic setting to me i mean i know christopher nolan's joker was supposed to be realistic but to me this is the most realistic joker like we've ever seen i really liked the spin on it and i like the acting but what
1: what's your opinion so my opinion is that it's – it's. Ugh. I think it's – oh, God, I hate this conversation because it is so, like, almost flip-floppy. And I know and I realize that. Um. Uh, and, like, I think it's the type of movie that whatever you want it to be – and I mean that artistically, like, the what you can take out of the movie and also create, like, literally how the movie was made – you can. You're gonna have whatever experience you wanted when you walked in, which I think ultimately makes it a good movie. Uh, I I want to say that makes it a bad movie because it's being wishy-washy on its own right and being like you give it the meaning, as opposed yeah. to just a movie having a stance and. Um, and then saying that stance, you know, I kind of like that a little bit better. But but on the other hand, I like Stanley Kubrick and he never said anything full outright ever. So you had to figure out his movies fucking on your own time, you know. But so, it's, you know, what I didn't like about it is that it was like I think it tried to really push the like, see, I'm fucked up because everyone around me treated me like shit as opposed to like you know i'm fucked up because i was fucked up and also i was treated like shit and no one helped me then like yeah. it still does not justify me shooting this guy at the end and of course what we're talking about is 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 story which like i said makes a good movie the fact that we're talking about it and people are if if a mo- the moment you leave a movie and you go ah and you brush your hands off, I feel good now. The conclusion is done, and you go in your car, and you you, you leave, and you never think about it again. That's a shit movie. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. a shit movie. The fact that I was like, I don't know, man. This has got a lot of weird things about it that I feel maybe is it good, is it not good? It makes it a pretty goddamn good movie. And the very fact that the first thing I ever heard about that movie was someone complaining um uh sorry one second uh oh yeah yeah complaining for that that it was glorifying violence or something like that that it was going to it was going to uh push the people who who are who are like see i i'm going to kill because it's your fault you know what i mean that's that already happens a lot in this country so all it's going to do is make it happen worse no 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 no, that's the same argument as saying movies and video games glorify and promote violence for kids and stuff like that. It's always been a dead, grasping argument from an old, un- understanding you know, group of, of political people. But the fact that this lady was already mad about the movie before it came out, she hadn't seen it yet. And already wrote a blog post about it that went viral, made me love this movie because the whole ultimate point of art is to make you think about it and make you go, look, fucking life's bullshit or life's weird or life is this. This is what I think this is. Look at it. Isn't it fucking weird? Especially when you don't want to look at it. You know, especially now, like probably this is a really super now topic. Um, you know the Black Lives Movement uh, movement that is happening is very, very, you know, it's boiled up to this point. It's bubbling because of what's been so just kind of understood or kind of just put by everyone. Just kind of goes like, well, this is just how it goes. Well, why, you know? And when things started happening, I felt really weird about you know, going out to protest because of the COVID stuff and being responsible about being around people. I also felt like I'm not a photojournalist, you know. If I would want to go out there, that's what I would want to do, especially with my skill set. I yeah. have something, I want to be able to provide it. So <clears throat> maybe I'll do that. But then I thought kind of, I don't know, I don't want to take photos and, and, and go downtown and for what, for street cred? That seems really gross to do that for something especially so serious, yeah. and especially since I'm a white person, you know, like I don't want to be like, hey, I'm virtue signaling here. I'm good in taking photos like, yeah, I get it. There are there is definitely a need for photojournalists photo to go out there and take photos of the, of the horrible shitty things that some of these cops are doing and just like making the situation just 10 times worse by showing up in riot gear instead of showing up in a way of like how do you want to talk you know Mm -hmm. but anyway what i ultimately did instead was i finally realized i will just i'll just do what i do best which is make a set i'll do a thing i'll try to you know you know compartmentalize or at least go over in my mind how i feel how i imagine other people in the country feel which is what this most, uh, one of my most recent sets with my friend Chris was. It's him on the beach crawling out, you know, <clears throat> of the water in his pajamas, you know, and that whole set is, I was thinking, okay, what what is, I'd imagine we all, even just everyone, no matter what race you are, like we all feel like, especially for this COVID, so trapped and like we're crawling out of something, which is why I had him crawling out of like black water, you know, he's like, we're crawling out of this It's just like whole and, and we're, we're tired, you know? And, and that's why I was like, I have no, no like surprise that people are going out regardless of the COVID stuff, because you, like I said, the first time, like the first riots happened, I said this on my like close friends account. I was like, don't be surprised when you force an entire group of people to stay inside. And then when they come out to this same old bullshit for them to be like, okay, like they're gonna be mad. They're gonna be so tensioned and so built up, you know? Like, how are you surprised, you know? Of course things are gonna have to change after that. And so in this piece, I have him face down in this way of like either exhaustion of like, fuck, I'm out of this hole, I'm out of this COVID, I'm out of this, this quarantine and we're still here in this bullshit or he's literally on the ground like he's being you know I didn't didn't want to be super on the nose obviously because I don't think that's very tasteful but I do want a, a sense of that you know specifically of George Floyd you know that kind of thing and I just felt that that as a piece you know and I, I thought maybe I could do an auction for it but I don't think I don't think enough people would care about my art enough to, to make a, enough money to make a difference so that's why I never did it but like I just felt like that I felt better about, you know, portraying, you know, a feeling better than than going out and getting in the way. I don't know. I mean, speaking of comedy, I don't know where I'm going with this and I'm on a tour.